Wow, what a, what a great day. Um, what a great weekend. Uh, I'll tell you what, I have loved what I've seen this weekend, watching, uh, just being a part of Mike and their band leading worship, leading our students, and hearing Brandon share and, and pour into the life of our kids, and seeing our adult leaders serving all over this community. Kids are in homes. And, and you know what? Last night I was just, I was, I was here, I was in the back. And I was looking at all of our students, and they were just on their face, seeking the Lord and calling on the Lord. And I thought to myself, man, we better get ready. Because when, what, is, what does Scripture say? Paul said to Timothy, do not let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set the example for the believers in your speech and your life and your faith and your love and in your purity. And I'll tell you, when, when you have a church where teenagers are seeking the face of God, we better get ready. I also think about, as a church, we're at 936. I hope you're setting your alarm, because at 936, we're seeking the Lord on a daily basis. And folks, let me tell you something. We better get ready. We can't sit still. We cannot uh, uh, stay in our seats, if you will. Be a church that is stationary when we're seeking the Lord, because what does God do? He moves us. And, and today, is, as we look at the, this Old Testament narrative, this, the Old Testament is important to understand. I mean, Paul said to the Corinthians that, that these stories were given as examples that we should learn from, we should recognize. And in 1 Samuel 8, in, this, in the book of Samuel, it's so important for us to process and, and to recognize. And, and, and we, we realize what's going on. I mean, if you think, trace the history of God's people, I mean, Moses... Uh, was their leader, and, and then after Moses died, he passed the baton to Joshua, and, and, and then when Joshua was around, Joshua didn't have a person, uh, one individual to pass the baton to. Joshua set up elders, and these elders followed the Lord for a while because they watched the Lord give them the promised land, and they, it was evident that God was with them, and they were following the Lord. But these elders, as generations passed, the passion for the Lord did not pass on to the next generation. That's why this weekend is so important for us. We must never fail to pass on a heart for the Lord to the next generation, an obedient heart to the next generation. And the children of Israel struggled because that, that was something they did not do. And, and, you know, it's interesting as, as then the period of judges come into play and, and, and God's people were in this cycle and it was this, that they would follow the Lord and God would move them and God would lead them. And then they would get kind of comfy, get comfortable. And they would start to disobey the Lord. And then this cycle came after disobedient came punishment. Because what, is, what does the Bible tell us? Well, I mean, we, we know this. John 10, 10 um, is, is an important passage. What did Jesus say? The thief comes but to steal and to kill and to destroy. And so sin is, it wrecks us. And that's what it does every time. It wrecks our lives. And this is why we've got to learn to be a, 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 a people of God that, that repent. And, and, and the judges were in this cycle over and over again of God's blessing. And then they would rebel. And then they would punish. God would punish them because sin is devastating. And then, then they would repent and come back to the Lord. God would rescue them again. And there would be a period of serving the Lord. And this was a cycle they ran over and over again. Now Samuel is the last judge. 
And, and that's what we have to recognize. This is the, the transition from the period of the judges to the, the period of the kings. And, and it's an important step and it's an important moment. And, and like we looked at last week, and think about this, I don't want to miss this. For 20 years, in, in 1 Samuel 8, for 20 years, people had been, the people of God had been in repentance. They had been seeking the Lord. I mean, and I just wrap my head around, what if, what if we do this for the next 20 years, if we're in the period of, of repentance and following the Lord? And we know the story because what has happened, God was blessing them. The Philistines weren't attacking them in 1 Samuel 8. They were protected. They were, uh, uh, you know, it was a, a period of, of, of flourishing in the land. And, and this is what happens when we follow the Lord, isn't it? I mean, when, I mean I'm not saying we're not without storms or challenges. Because we are. That's life. I mean, there, there are storms that come. There are challenges that come. But let me tell you something. In, even in the midst of challenges, even in the midst of storms of life, following the Lord is the only way to go. And this is why we stand on the, on the promises of God. Because what happens when we stand on the promises of God, and like, like Jesus said at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, when we put his word into practice, when the storms come, when the rain comes, we don't fall. We stand strong. And this is what's going on. The children of Israel are strong. But you look at 1 Samuel 8. It's interesting. Samuel was older now, verse, verse 1. Look at it with me. And Samuel became old. And he made his sons judges over Israel. The name of his firstborn son was Joel. The name of, of his second, Abijah. And they were judges in Beersheba. Look at verse 3. Let's notice verse 3. Let's feel verse 3. Yet his sons did not walk in his ways, but turned aside after gain. They took bribes and perverted justice. Okay, remember Eli and his sons, Hophni and Phinehas? It's interesting that, that there, there, there's, it's always difficult, isn't it? It takes work, doesn't it? To, to make sure that the, the people that come after us, the, my children and my grandchildren, it's my greatest prayer that they walk with Jesus. And you know what's interesting is Samuel was walking with, with the Lord. He was walking with God, and yet he still struggled as a father. And, and I'll tell you, this is something that, this is a cycle that, that I pray we, we, we follow the Lord and we break. That we make sure that we are a, a people that, that, that pass on our faith to a next generation. This has got to be something we do. And, and this is why I pray we continue to invest in what we did this weekend. And in children and preschool. And I love that we're doing that. But boy, I'll tell you what, I feel this. I feel the burden of this as, as, I, as I think about being a father. And oh my goodness, my daughter's getting married in June. You know what that means? I'm going to be a grandpa sometime maybe. Yikes. I'm going to be married to a grandma. That's frightening to me. Um, I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. I'm, I shouldn't say that. That's not in my notes. Oh my goodness. Ooh, I just dug a hole for me. Um, Okay, verse 4. Let's go back to the Bible. Back to the Bible, people. Okay. okay, so then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. 
and said, Behold, you are old, and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint for us a king to judge us like all the nations. Isn't that interesting? Appoint a king like all the other nations. But the thing displeased Samuel. And they said, Give us a king to judge us. And what did Samuel do? Samuel prayed to the Lord. Now, why is Samuel displeased here? Why is he frustrated? Now, probably it was a personal insult. I mean, you know, Samuel, you're old. We don't do it this way anymore. We don't want to do it this way anymore. That was an insult. And, and I, I get that. Um, but it was more than that. Um, it was more than just, Samuel, your kids are corrupt. It was more than that. And look what Samuel said, verse 7. And the Lord said to Samuel, Obey the voice of the people in all that they say to you. For they have not rejected you, but they've rejected me from being king over them. According to all the deeds they have done, from the day I brought them up from Egypt, even to this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so they are also doing to you. So what's interesting about this moment, their request, you know what it lacks? It lacks this trust in God. They were saying, we want, a, we want an earthly king. And, and you know what's interesting? They, they, they were supposed to just have God as their king. We just sang that song, right? The song we just sang is that you are our king. And folks, let me tell you something. We are to only have one king, and it's the king of all kings, the Lord of all lords. Now, it's interesting, um, from the beginning of God's people, we've got to catch this and learn this. From the beginning, God's people have always struggled with this idea that, God, you're really not enough for me. I need something else besides you. And for us to grow in our faith, for us to grow up spiritually, for us to grow to the point that we realize, you know what? We, need, we just need him. You know, I don't need my job. I don't need my paycheck. God provides through that, right? But, but he doesn't have to, does he? No. We, we, I don't need my relationships when I have him. Now, does he help me with relationships? Yes. But I'll tell you what, we need him. And it's interesting, as you look at the children of Israel, they constantly demanded golden calves. Remember? They constantly demanded, God, we need this food. They constantly demanded, God, we need uh, this leader. Now, did they need food? Yes. God, we need this water out of this rock for Moses. Did they need water? Yes, God knew all that. God knows everything you need. And let me tell you something. He is a tremendous, he is the provider of everything. And I don't want us to miss this. Now, Point number one, if you're following along, and, and, and I don't want to be here for three hours, which we could today, but, but point number one is this. We've created, we, we were created to have only one God. And this is a point that we need to embrace and hear. This is the story. Um, you know, um, the children of Israel, they, they're rejecting God here. Now, now, yeah, there are two ways people reject God. One, one way is that, is that you can reject God outright. I mean, you can just say, I'm just rejecting him. And I meet people like this all the time. They say, you know what? I, I, don't, 
I don't want to follow. I have a guy in my life. I'm, I hope to try to see him this week. Um, and and he's, in, he's an atheist, and he just outright rejects God. Uh, there, there's a guy that I witnessed to uh, that comes and does service for our church. He, he works in lights and stuff, and he, he's a, one of our vendors. He's a very clear atheist. He said, we talk all the time. And, and I saw him the other day at a, at a restaurant and at a coffee shop, and, um, and, and he just had a son. And I said, hey, I'm, I'm praying for Sven. That's his son's name, Sven. And he goes, hey, man, Chris, can I just ask you, would you just stop saying that to me? Because that offends me that you're praying for, for me because I don't believe in any of that. I was like, okay, man, that's cool. I'll, no problem. So I just pray for him, and now I just don't tell him I'm doing it. And, um, and so, but he rejects God outrightly. He just outrightly rejects him. And I pray that God would open his eyes. But, but you know what? There's also a rejection of God that you can give lip service to him without really depending on him. And see, this is what the children of Israel are doing. They're giving lip service to God, but they don't really depend on him. And I'll tell you what, this is not just an Israelite problem. This might be our problem. That we can give lip service to God without really trusting him with our lives. Without really depending on him every day. And see, the, 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 God is leading his people to, to, to grow in this. To, to recognize that man-made pursuits really won't fulfill you. You know, but sometimes it's not hard to trust God when our job's secure, is it? It's not hard to trust God when my marriage is fulfilling. It's not hard to trust God when, when my body's healthy. But when one of those things are off, oh my goodness, we fall apart, don't we? And what, what, what God is moving us to understand is, Lord, regardless of my circumstance, you can be trusted. Regardless of, my, of, my, of the storm, I can know you see me and you hear me. And here's what God is moving his people to do. God calls us to depend on him for every need in life. And, I, and what I found in my journey is, is, that, is that tough times, it's in, in tough times, it's in trials, it's in storms, that I found God to be the sweetest. It's in, the, it's in the, the times where I'm like, where are you, Lord, that I found his word to be the most clear. It's in times when I've, the rug has been pulled out from under me that I find that God is the most stable. And he provides the most security and help. And, and it's, it's in weakness that I found that God is the strongest. Doesn't the Bible say, tell us that when we are weak, we are strong, Right? Why is that? Because when we are in a point of weakness, we recognize, God, I need you. I'll tell you, the, pro the, um, the problem with this request in 1 Samuel it, it, it is not the fact that they, needed a, they wanted a king. Because in Deuteronomy 17, you can just write this down. We're not going to read it because of time. But Deuteronomy 17, 14 through 17 talks about, Moses said, you're going to get a king. And this is what he should do. And, they, and if you read that, go read that. Write that down. Deuteronomy 17, 14 through, uh, through 17. And, and you can see, wow, they, they really messed this up. The, 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 the mistake wasn't a request for the king. The mistake was we want a king right now. 
Right now we want a king because we know that David was a man after God's heart. We're going to see this. But they wanted a king right now. And so what happened, um, um, God calls this a rejection of him. He rightly calls it that. So, so I, point number two is this. The character of God proves that we can trust him. And I want you to know you can trust the Lord. The character of God proves this. I mean, I think about this. Wouldn't it be easier if, um, if there were some, like, guarantee? Oh, if I follow the Lord, I'm guaranteed that this is going to be okay. Like, like let's, take, let's take tithing, for example. Oh, man, if, if, if I, I would tithe, if I was guaranteed that if my bank account went over, went over, went in the red, that God would automatically cover my overdraft fees from his bank account and it would automatically be put in there, right? If, if that was the case, we'd be like, hey, no problem, I'll tithe, no big deal, yeah, this is good, you know? Now, now the reality is you can never outgive God. But God moves us to, like, what we're praying as a church, that we, we can grow to financial maturity as a church, as a body. That's where we, we uh, give generously. And this is what we try to do as a church, give generously. We, we save wisely, and we live appropriately. And this is what we're trying to do as a church. And can I, can I just pause for a minute? I, I want you to know you're going to see some digging back here. We are not starting an archaeological project at First Owasso, okay? That's not what we're doing. Um, we've had this geothermal system, uh, and, and it's saved us a lot of money over the years, but, but it needs some maintenance. It doesn't last. And it's, it's limping right now. So we have started a project that is quite expensive. But we live in 2020 in America, and if you do not have air conditioning or heat in a building, you talk about seeing people get mad. Okay, right there, you'll see it. But you know, it's okay, we need air conditioning, we're gonna fix it. And can I just tell, tell I, I just, God led us to start saving. And, and this really expensive project, we're going to pay for with cash that we have saved. And guess what? We're still doing Elevation Weekend. We're still doing the mission. Nothing stops. That what God, God, we are going to fulfill everything God's called us to do while we repair that. And folks, look, this is what happens when you just follow the Lord and follow his plan. It's right. And this is God's people were making a mistake because they were like, you know, look, we want a king now. We want to be like everybody else. And here's what they wanted. They really wanted a God they could control. Because, you know, when you don't, when you want something now and you're like, I want it my way, what, what, what are you saying to God? God, I know what's better. I know my plan's better than your plan. And that's really what they're saying. And they didn't wait on the Lord. And in Israel, they wanted a king they could see. They, wanted, they, they were tired of having a God they couldn't see. And, and I pray we never tire of following a God even if we can't see him, even if we can't touch him. That, that's why I believe that, that, the, the, that when Jesus said to Thomas, hey, Thomas, blessed are you because you've seen, but, 
Uh, he goes, look, you've seen, but blessed are those who believe and don't see. And I, I really believe we're going to be in heaven, and we're going to run into Thomas, and we're going to go, dude, tell me those stories. Tell me what it's like to walk with Jesus. And you'd go, no, 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 wait a minute. No, I saw him. Tell me what it was like to believe him and follow him, and you never got to see him. You just heard us talk about him. Tell me what that was like. Man, I, I, that would be fun in heaven. But you know what? Israel, they wanted a king they could see. And, and here's what's interesting. They, they come to Samuel and they say, give us a king. And, go, and Samuel goes to the Lord, and what does God say to him? Give them what they want. Now here's the, here's the interesting thing. Israel got what their heart desired. They got that. Now let's, 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 let's think about that for a second. You know, um, it's interesting. The greatest judgment that God can give us is to give us our own desire, isn't it? I mean, think about that. Have you ever, have you ever prayed, wanted something and you said, I'm going to go get it, and you got it? And you're like, wow, is that it? It's like that viral video that went on about that grad kid from graduated uh, from a Christian school. And he talked about, I got the valedictorian. I don't know if you saw it. He said, I got, a valed- I got the valedictorian, and it was great for like a minute. And then I was like, is that it? That's great that that kid learned that at, as a senior in high school. That's a lesson many of us don't get. But here's the reality. Sometimes we want things that we don't need. And some of the greatest blessings that you and I have ever received is God not giving us what we're asking for. You thought about that? So the next time you are praying for something and God says no, let's stop and go, Lord, maybe that's a blessing in my life. But here's the the, the reality, and that's a, you could think about that a lot. But when you think about Romans 1, 24 and 25. Therefore God delivered them over to the cravings of their hearts, to sexual impurity, so that their bodies were degraded among themselves. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served something created instead of the creator who is praised forever. Amen. And many problems come in life when we start serving created things rather than the creator. And so as we... in dig in to the book of Samuel. Let's not miss this. Let's not miss the call that we have to to be solely devoted to the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords. And this is my prayer. You know, as you look at this, look look at what what happens. Verse 9. Now now then, obey their voice. And only, only you shall solemnly warn them and show them the ways of the king who shall reign over them. Now, as we read this real quick, I want you to notice there's a word used six times. And I want you to see if you can catch it. Six times in verses 11 through 18. So Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who were asking for a king for, from him. And he said, these will be the ways of the king who will reign over you. He will take your sons and 
and appoint them to, to his chariots and to, his, to be his horsemen and to run before his chariots. And he will appoint for himself commanders of thousands, commanders of fifties, some to plow his ground and to reap his harvest and to make his implements of war and equipment for, of his chariots. And he will take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers. And he will take the best of your fields and, and the vineyards and olive orchards and, and give them to his servants. And he will take the tenth of your grain, of your vineyards, and he will give it to his officers and to his servants. And he will take your male servants and female servants and the best of your young men and your donkeys and will put them to his work. And he will take the tenth of your flocks and you, will be, you shall be his slaves. And in that day, you will cry out because of your king, whom you have chosen for yourselves. But the Lord will not answer you in that day. So what's the word that's over and over again? Take. Take. You, look, isn't that what happens? When we start serving other gods, guess what? It takes from us. And God knows this. And God looks at us and says, follow me. Trust me. I'm with you. I see you. Follow me. And, and what's interesting is they were looking for a king for hope and prosperity and help. And what he ended up doing is taking from them. And here's the, here's the point. Here's what we need to see. Point three is this. Every life has a king. Every life has a king. Your king is what you seek for happiness. What are you seeking for happiness today? Every king makes servants of subjects. You know, if your king is marriage, I have to be married to be happy. It won't make you happy. If your king is success or, or man, some job or some status, let me tell you something, you may get there, but it will not satisfy you. If your king is, is some financial goal, you may reach it, but let me tell you something, when you do, it will not satisfy you. Every life has a king. And all earthly kings disappoint. But God is the only king who supplies every need and forgives sin. And this is why I pray that we recognize Matthew 6.33. What does it say? But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. The book of Samuel is critically important for us as believers to understand because this is written to God's people who know better, who know what it's like to be forgiven, to be provided for, to, be, to, to have hope. See, Tim Keller wrote, and I'm going to put this on the screen. He wrote in, in, in the book, The Reason for God. Great book you ought to read. The reason for God. He says, Jesus is the only Lord who, if you receive him, will fulfill you completely. And if you fail him, will forgive you eternally. That's the amazing thing about God. Because I've just, as I've prepared this message, I kept thinking of the times over and over again that I followed the same cycle of disobedience of replacing God with something else. 
and recognizing that, man, there's one king. There's one Lord. And this is why I pray. We are a people. And say, Lord, we will follow you. If you're here today and you're rejecting God outrightly, can I just stand in front of you as a man who has been forgiven? And I've experienced the ramifications of Romans 5.8. Romans 5.8 says this, God demonstrates his love for us in this, that even though I was a sinner, Christ died for me. You know what's amazing about that? God didn't just tell the world, I love you. He demonstrated it. Have you ever had somebody that told you they loved you but didn't demonstrate it? God didn't do that. He demonstrated his love for you. That even though you were a sinner, even though Chris Wall was going to willfully rebel against him, even though I would know exactly what I needed to do and just go, you know what, I'm not going to do that. I want to do what I want to do. He still died for me. Even though, even though there were times that, that Chris Wall would be uh, just ignorant of, of disobedience, I would just be offensive to God just because I didn't know better. He still died for me. And can I tell you, that's how he sees you. Don't you see who he is? And that he can change your life. I pray that we serve no other king but him. We're going to have an invitation. Mike, I'm going to ask you guys to come on back. And as we, as we turn our hearts to, to respond, um, Casey's going to be up here. If, if there's some ladies in this room that need to pray with a lady, Casey's going to be up here. And I'm, I'm going to be up here and uh, there'll be another staff member probably up here. Huh? But we're here for you. But our altars are open. And, and maybe, maybe you're sitting here today and God has spoken to you and said, you know what, I am really trusting in my job, my spouse, my retirement. Maybe today is a day that God says, come back to the king. You can trust him. Hey, listen. You can trust him. You can.